Our scripture lesson today comes to us from the letter to the Hebrews, the 11th chapter, reading verses 1 through 3, and then verses 8 through 16. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land that he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith he received power of procreation, even though he was too old and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven and as innumerable grains of sand by the seashore." All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed. He has prepared a city for them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Grace is God's action to us. Grace is undeserved. It is unmerited. It is not earned. Grace is simply a gift of God given to us because of who God is. God's divine nature and God's divine person. Faith. Well, faith is our response to God's grace. You can't talk about grace without talking about faith, and you can't talk about faith without talking about grace because they're two sides of the same coin. Grace being that which God seeks to do in us and through us and for us and even in spite of us. Faith being how we choose each day to respond to the grace that God is pouring out upon us. In the letter to the Hebrews, this 11th chapter, we get a working definition of the meaning of faith, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then the author to the letter of Hebrews goes on to give examples of faith. Over this next month, we're going to be considering what it is to become who God is calling us to be. Because just as God spoke to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Just like God called Moses from a burning bush, just like Jesus Christ called the disciples by the Sea of Galilee, our God is still calling us and still working in us and through us and for us and even some days in spite of us. The author to the letter of Hebrews goes back and begins with Abraham because that's really the foundations of the covenant of faith, right? And this morning, I want us to look at what the author is is referencing. So, I invite you, as you desire, to grab a pew Bible if you don't have one with you. And let's go back to the book of Genesis. Let's go back to the book of beginnings. Let's go back and see what it is that Abraham has has done as 
that makes them faithful? Or is it really simply an act of God's grace that it's nothing within Abraham that makes him quote unquote special, but simply his willingness to respond to the grace that God is calling him? Genesis chapter 12 is well, we will see the call of Abram. As he is known at this time before the Lord changes his name. Specifically, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9, which reads as this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife Sarah and his brother's son Lot and all the possessions that he had gathered and the persons whom he had acquired in Haran, and they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. From there he moved on to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on by stages towards the Negeb. Here's the beginning of it. God calls Abram. Abram, 75 years old. Every time I say that, don't think I didn't hear you. I heard a few gasps from the congregation. And there's a good reason to gasp, because it's very easy to know whether or not you have completed your calling, whether or not you are good to go, whether or not you have finished the task at hand, because at that, when that is done, God retires us to this wonderful, wonderful place that he has prepared. But to put it rather bluntly, if you ain't dead yet, you ain't retired. That's how you know. Seventy-five years old, God calls Abram. Abram has amassed a good living. He's living in Haran. He's living in the land of his father and probably his grandfather, maybe even his great-grandfather. I'm not really sure exactly the date on this, but they've been there for a while. And that's when God goes, hey, Abram, I have something for you. I want you to pack up your kin and your kindred. I want you to pack up your possessions. I want you to pack up, and I want to move you to a brand new land. And Abram says, great, where is it? Well, Abram, you just start walking that way, and I'll tell you when you get there. <laughs> and by the way, you're going to be a blessing to every family on the, place, on the face of the earth. And in fact, your descendants are going to be so numerous that they can't be counted. If you want to try, go ahead and go out and look at the stars in the sky and try to count them, or go to the seashore and pick up a grain of sand at the time, because you're going to have more success trying to count that than trying to count your descendants. And I'm sure Abram went, Lord, I don't know if you've picked up on this yet or not, but we have not had children. And I'm now at a stage where I should be enjoying my grandchildren or even, even maybe my great-grandchildren. 
And I feel like the Lord responded with, you let me worry about that, Abram. You just do what I'm calling you to do, what I'm inviting you to do, to be, to become. See, that's the call of Abram. It's not just simply an invitation to leave a land and to journey somewhere else, but to become the one that we still reference as the beginning of faith. Do you realize that? In 2022 in Bluff Park, Alabama, we are still talking about Father Abraham. It's an amazing, wonderful gift of grace. Abram believed a promise of God, and that made him righteous because he lived in faith. Because grace is God's action to us. Grace to Abram was a call and an invitation to become something more. Faith was Abram putting one foot in front of the other and journeying there. And it was reckoned to him as righteousness. But there's more to it. I hope, hope you still got your pew Bibles out because I got one more I want to share with you. If you're still on chapter 12, just scoot on over to chapter 15 real quick, because here's where a covenant gets invoked, a promise that is made that cannot be overlooked, because here, here is the foundations of our faith. Here is, well, do you mind me saying it? A messianic prophecy, a promise yet to be realized right here in Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliza of Damascus. And Abram said, You've given me no offspring, and so a servant born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, look toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought him all of these and cut them in two, laying each half over against the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. And when the birds of prey came down to the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and a deep and terrifying darkness descended upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, know this for certain, that your offspring shall be aliens in a land that is not theirs, and they shall be slaves there. And they shall be oppressed for 400 years, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for yourself, you shall go to your ancestors in peace. You shall be buried in a good age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, to the land, the land, to the land of the Kittites, the Kenzasites, the Kadamites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephium, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. 
all the ites. <laughs> all of the ites. And when we read that, we read it, one, remember it's a vision that God gives to Abram. And we read that and we tend to go, well, here is a sacrifice that God has commanded Abram to make with this heifer and this ram and these, 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 these birds. I got news for you. It's not a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice. If you doubt what I'm about to say, go ahead and take the phones that are either in your pocket or that you're already slyly using under the pew and Google suzerain treaty. This is an ancient Near East invocation of a treaty where a suzerain was a great king. And to a vassal king, they would come into a covenant or a term. And what they would do when they would enact this is the greater king would meet with the vassal and they would discuss the terms of the covenant. Once those terms would agreed upon, there would be a great ceremony. And that vassal would approach the great king. And they would have something that would be uh, symbolically invoked on them. They may walk forward holding a knife to their throat. Or they may walk forward with their hands bound. Or one of the things that was loved to be done and enacted in the suzerain treaty was that they would take animals and bivocate them and put one half against the other to create a pathway. And the reason for this is because as the vassal approached the suzerain and entered into the covenant, it was a physical reminder to that vassal and to all who was there that if they broke the terms of the covenant, what was done to these animals is what would be done to that vassal. But that's not what happens in this ancient Near East suzerain treaty that we have as Genesis 15. Does Abram walk between the bivocated carcasses? No, Abram sees a smoking pot and a flaming torch. Forerunners of the incense of God and the fire that we use to represent the presence of God. It's God that walks through the bivocated animals. It's God who takes upon the punishment if the terms of the covenant are broken, not Abram. This morning, we're going to celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion. We're going to celebrate bread and cup, that in this holy sacrament, the cross is present because it is through the sacrifice of Christ who takes on the punishment for the breaking of the covenant, that we are made righteous before God. Abram gets a vision of a foretaste of glory divine. Abram gets to understand that not only does God make a promise to him and to all generations, but that Abram is serving a God who is so dedicated to the promise that God makes that God's even willing to take on the punishment if the promise is broken by us. Did you know that the book of Genesis has the beginnings of the gospel of Jesus Christ in it. There's a reason why the author of Hebrews is going back to Abram, or who we know as Abraham. Because that's where the story begins.
After God creates the heavens and the earth, after God floods the world, after God does all of these things in the primeval history that goes through the 11th chapter of Genesis, God calls someone, a nobody, from a little backwater town. Nothing special about Abram in his own self. God calls Abram and makes Abram a promise. In grace, God acts. And in faith, Abram responds without having it all together, without knowing what all it's going to be, without all understanding, without the plan laid out at a time that may not have made any sense, at a period in Abram's life that seems most ludicrous. In grace, God called. And in faith, Abram responded. And if you are still living and breathing, if you still find yourself on this side of the dirt, as my granny would say, then God is still calling you. With all of our disqualifiers, with all of our mistakes, with all of our junk, with all of our garbage, with all of our past, with all of our reasons, with all of our excuses, grace is still being poured out. God's actions to us, new each and every day, inviting us, wooing us, calling us, claiming us, sending us, instructing us, building us up, it's all being done. Grace being God's actions to us. And in faith, in faith we respond. Because there is one thing that I know for certain. God keeps God's promises. Even to his own self. Bearing the weight of breaking the promise himself so that God's promise to us remains. Did Abram ever meet Jesus Christ in this, on this side of heaven? Nope. It's going to be a few, few more centuries, a couple of millennia before Jesus rolls in. But was Christ still present? Absolutely. And in faith, and a faith that starts in Genesis and reaches all the way through the Revelation and continues into Bluff Park, Alabama today. A faith that still trusts that God will keep God's promises to us. A faith that continues to say, Lord, I hear you calling. So send me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello, my name is Kevin Payne, and I'm the senior pastor here at Bluff Park United Methodist Church. 
Thank you for joining with us in our podcast of our worship celebration, the sermon this past week. I pray that you found it a blessing and that it enriched your life. If you are ever in our area and would like to join with us in person, we are located at 733 Valley Street here in Hoover, Alabama. Our service time is 10 a.m. and we would love to meet you. I pray you have a blessed week and hope to see you soon. Bye now.